Good morning or afternoon. Good morning or afternoon, wherever you may be. Welcome to another exciting episode of Let's Coach with Mark and Carolyn. It's the show that brings the best from the coaching world for you to use in your everyday life and what coaching can do for you. So we have great small business ideas and good news stories for you and stories about people paying it forward in their everyday lives. Unfortunately, Mark cannot be with us today, but he will be back here next week. So today I'm flying solo. And you know that Mark and I talk a lot about professional development and we talk about practicing what we preach. So Mark has been out doing a lot of wonderful things, helping um, he specializes in working with nonprofits and strategic planning. So I look forward to him returning to the show next week and sharing with us some of the wonderful things that he's been working on. And most of you know me, but just for our new listeners, I'm Carolyn Owens, and I'm the chairwoman and CEO of Infinity Coaching, and we help women up-level their skills so they can up-level their income. And so we offer career, leadership, and life coaching, and we use one-on-one and group coaching as well as workshops and assessments to help our clients create the life of their dreams. And so we have a lot of fun in the process. And today, I have to say, it's a very, very exciting show for us today. You know, but I want to start by just saying, you know, today is November 11th, and it's Veterans Day. And it's the day that we pay tribute to all our American veterans, the ones who are still alive, the ones who've passed away, but especially giving thanks to the living veterans who served this country honorably during war and during peacetime. See, we have, when you really look at the numbers in our country, you know, it's less than half a percent of our population that actually gets and puts on that uniform and, you know, protects our country for us. And we have to remember that freedom isn't free. There is a price for that. And every day that they're going out there deploying, working, and the families that are left at home, you know, it's it's a high price they pay. But most veterans love what they do. And we celebrate it every year on November 11th. And most people don't even realize there's a history on even why that day is chosen. And it's actually the one-year anniversary when it started, November 11, 1919, the one-year anniversary of the end of World War I. And, you know, being a history buff, these are (laughs) the kind of things that I love to share and talk about. And so it's based off of Armistice Day, which is when the treaty was signed, the truce was signed, and it was the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918. And so eventually, over time, it changed to celebrate veterans. As I said, celebrating all of our veterans from all branches of service. And here's a little quick trivia. Um, Always in November that we celebrate it. There was a time that it was switched for about seven years in October so that it was done so that government employees could get that three-day weekend. So from about 19, I believe it was 1968 to 1975, it was actually celebrated in October. And then it was changed back, you know, for the original purpose back to November 11th. So as you're going about your day and you're thinking, you know, we've got all these commercialized sales out there and, 
you know, different things going on, but we got to remember the true reason why we celebrate today, you know, to honor our veterans who pay the ultimate price to protect our freedom. So happy Veterans Day to all of those who are serving, who have served. Thank you so much for all that you do. I do want to take a minute and mention uh, some upcoming events. Uh, they're coming up. You still have time to register in just a couple of weeks. In November 20th, you'll have the inaugural Entrepreneur Gala and Awards event that's taking place in Maryland, um, Lithicum, Maryland. And some of our awardees that will be will receive awards include Lynette Charles and Shelley Hunt and Ken Rashawn. And you've heard a lot of those mentioned on our show before. Ken has actually been a guest on our show. And hosting the event is none other than one of our regular guests, Natalie Forrest, along with Charlie Crowson, who's from ABC News. And if you don't know Lynette Charles, she's actually uh, the weather person for one of my favorite news shows, also with Charlie Crowson, ABC News. So the event is hosted by VIP Events Concierge, and if you go to VIP Events Concierge and look at their upcoming events, you'll actually um, be able to go there and register. Again, there's still time, and I'm definitely looking forward. I'll be there, and so hopefully I'll see you there. <laughs> I believe our guest has arrived in the studio. Cheryl? Hello? Uh, hello? Good Beatrice? morning. Yes, yes you are, are there. You? Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, that's no problem. It's my pleasure and my, and my privilege. <laughs> I want to uh, take a moment. I'm not sure if you heard my uh, co-host, Mark Thorne, couldn't be with us today, but he would have loved to be here, and he sends his regards. And hopefully where he is, he's at least uh, taken a moment. He's able to listen. I'm not sure. But I'm sure awesome. he'll come back and listen later. But, mm-hmm. again, I am so honored to have this opportunity to interview you, you today and discuss some of the wonderful things you have done and that you are doing. So I'll take a moment and do a quick introduction. So Absolutely. we have with us today Army veteran Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life, also known as the get-over-it gal. And she's here to help you be the soldier you were created to be. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a consultant and an Army of veteran. And as you know, she'll always and forever be a drill sergeant. And she's trained more than 2,000 basic combat trainees while she served on active duty. And she learned in, in doing this, you know, for those of us who served, we understand how that training can be. Um, <laughs> but she, she learned the main reason a basic trainee could not endure those eight weeks of training was because that, that soldier needed to get over him or herself. You know, it can be done. You can get through the training, but what's really holding you back? What's blocking you? Mm-hmm. And now she uses her Army training to help you get over your excuses, get over the procrastination, and be all you were called to be on this battlefield of life. So she's, an, as I said, she's an author, and she's written uh, several books to include How to Get Over Yourself and Get Out of Your Own Way and Get What You Want Out of Life, and also How to Get Over Yourself and Let Go of the Past. 
and she's also the creator of the Let Go of the Past Boot Camp Series. You know, she's currently serving as the vice chair of the Aurora, Colorado Veterans Affairs Commission, and she's also the immediate past president of the Absolutely Articulate Toastmasters Club. And she still remains very active in veteran and the, in the business community in Aurora, where she currently resides. So, again, thank you so much for being with us today, and welcome to Let's Coach with Mark and Carolyn. Carolyn, thank you so much for having me on your show today. I've been excited about this, and also, since it's <laughs> Veterans Day, thank you so much for your service. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's funny because sometimes I get so uh, carried away and uh, helping and talking to other people, I forget, oh, yeah, I served too. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did, and honorably <laughs> at that. <laughs> thank you. So, you know, it, being that it's Veterans Day, I do want to spend some time kind of talking about your military experience as well as where you are right now and the wonderful things that you're doing. So you came in, 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 in the military at a time where there were so many challenges for women. Oh, yeah. Why, why did you join the military? You know, Carolyn, to be perfectly honest with you, I wanted to serve something bigger than myself. Um, I'm a small-town girl. I grew up in, in Aiken, South Carolina, and it was a small town. At the time, it was a small town. And um, there were just so many dynamics going on. I, I needed to get away from home, needed to get away from that atmosphere. Um, I was a teen mom. And so um, when I was walking down the street one day in Aiken, and I was passing by the recruiting station, and at first I, I passed by the Navy, and I looked at their display, and I looked at all that water, and I said, no, nah, uh-uh, I can't swim. And, and I really did say, I remember saying that. Because all that water, I just was not used to that. And I said, no, uh -uh, they'll have me out on a ship, and I just can't do that. So I went to the next one. The next one was the Air Force. And I looked at it. I had never flown on an airplane before. So, of course, you know, we're, we're talking 1976, and I was I was 17 years old at the time. And I'm like, no, I mm -mm, don't want to fly on an airplane. And I went to the Marines, and when I looked at the Marines, all I could think about was Sergeant Carter on Goldman Pyle. And he just seemed crazy. He really did. And I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you the truth. I, let's be transparent about it because this is the, the road that I took to join the Army. And so when I got to the Army station and I saw the sign, and at that time, Carolyn, it said, be all you can be in the United States Army. And I stood there and I looked at that sign. And I said, be all you can be. And I thought about it, and I stood there for about five minutes or so, and then finally this tall white man came out. I didn't know what his rank was, but he had on this dress uniform and, and all this <laughs> stuff on his uniform. And, and he looked at me, he said, young lady, can I help you? And I looked at him, and I said, would the Army take someone like me? And he looked at me and said, well, what's wrong with you? And I said, well, I'm black, I, I, I have a child, I'm single. And he said, why wouldn't we take you? I said, I don't know. And he said, we would absolutely take you. And so that's what started my journey in the United States Army because <laughs> I saw the sign that said, be all you can be, 
And this man said, yes, we'll take you. <laughs> that you could be all you can be. Come on. That's right, that I could be all that I could be. And and so now, you know, bringing that up to, to 2015, now I help people to be all they can be on the battlefield of life because, let's face it, life is a battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely is. Um, uh, What was it? Pat Benatar had the song, Love is a Battlefield. Oh, my god! All of life is that battlefield. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. From the time you get up in the morning, you're battling yourself to get out of the bed, to get up and do what you know you're supposed to do. You're battling with your kids or with your your spouse or, you know, your family. You're battling to go to work. You're battling to to stay on your job. You're battling in the traffic. Life is a battlefield. You know, you in that time that you came in the military, as I said, there was there was a lot of different challenges for women, mm. and mm-hmm. so you you've you know earned your battle scars. Oh yeah. So what was what was one of the most challenging experiences that you can share with our audience? Well, and and I just um, I just shared this with the group I was speaking with um, here in, in the Colorado area. Um, at the time that women came through at that time in 1976-77, it was really frowned upon for women to be in the military. And when we put on that uniform, um, I remember walking down the streets of of, um, Columbia, South Carolina. I went to basic training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And walking down the streets of Columbia, South Carolina, I remember um, men disrespecting the women in uniform and calling us all kinds of names just because we had that uniform on, you know. And at that time also, we were still considered the Women's Army Corps, WAX. Now, the WAX, um, that closed up in about um, the end of 77. And so, but we still couldn't get many of the jobs that the men served in. Women were really limited on the jobs we could serve in, like the administrative and the personnel positions and what have you. And now, of course, we have the women that's going through the special forces training. Mm-hmm. But during that time, we were really limited. You know, we could work in the in the mess hall, the dining facility, you know. But a lot of the jobs that um, our male counterparts served in, in the Army, we couldn't serve in during that time. I remember... Carolyn, um, applying for a a warrant officer position. And at the time they said they were looking for male male staff sergeants and above. Well, I was a female sergeant. And they just, they wouldn't accept me in that. Then I also wanted to serve, um, go to defense language. And Mm -hmm. at the time they were looking for male soldiers, sergeant and above. Okay. And so those are some of the things that, you know, we were left out of certain jobs because of our sex, you know, which is a shame. But I'm glad now that we, in a way, open up the door for the young women today to basically to, to serve in jobs that we were never allowed to serve in. And I especially love that we're able now to go into the combat MOSs, um, serve in special forces when they open it up for females to go to special forces training, I looked at my husband, and now, mind you, I'm in my 50s now. I looked at my husband, I said, baby, can I go back in? He said, woman, go over there and sit down somewhere. 
I wanted to serve, though. I wanted to serve in special forces because I know I would have been good. (laughs) (laughs) So those are some of the the jobs that we could not serve in. Yeah. It's funny because um, even now it continues to be this debate of, which um, MOSs or which careers that women mm-hmm. can actually serve in. And I um, mm-hmm. recently read an article where the Marine Corps is considering closing some of theirs uh, to women. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, I think this is a, a controversy that still continues. And when women were in, in some of these r- r- roles that you're talking about, um, they would still deploy. But yeah. they would be deploying in these roles and could be considered support. However, we still have women that are coming back wounded. We have, I think it's um, about 23 women that are amputees because of um, yes. The, yes. The, our last crisis. So That's right. there are, uh, they're maybe going over in a support role, but they're still subjected to the same mm-hmm. combat zones that men are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that as we continue to serve, and even though they're drawing down the militaries now, um, so that we don't have as many troops and we don't have as many hot spots as we once did. Um, that as we continue to serve, um, that some of these young women coming through now, they'll be able to change that. They'll be able to shift it. And I mean, it may not fully happen the way mm-hmm. we would want it to, but they will be able to do some of the things that. Um, that we have desired to do all these years in the military. Uh, let's face it, even in, um, look at the fire department. You you have women firefighters now, whereas there was a time that you didn't see that. You know, you have women detectives on the police force and in the, the FBI, the CIA, and we are coming up. And it's just, it, let's face it, Carolyn, it's a tall mountain to climb. It really is. <laughs> you know, we have to dig in. Because <laughs> women are coming in at um, the service now at higher rates than men. And That's so right. it's, as long as we have an all-volunteer force, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to, if, if they're not going to change it to other countries and require men to serve, then mm-hmm. we're going to have to open other avenues for the women that Absolutely. are coming in. They're qualified. Um, they're meeting every requirement. They are proving themselves. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, the doors should open. Absolutely. You're right about that. And I, I, I hope that I get to see it in my lifetime. I really do because women are such a – we're a stronger force than we're giving given credit for. We really are. Just think about it. Look at the, the single mothers that you know, okay, raising not just one child but five child, five children, six children you know, and keeping it together. Uh, Look at people like um, the presidential nominee um, candidate, Ben Carson. His mother scrubbed floors just so that her sons could have a chance in life, okay? And you've got women all over the world that's doing that thing, and especially in our militaries, you have women that are stronger than what we're given credit for. Mm -hmm. I think... um when you're talking about the women who went through the um, special forces training, mm-hmm. um, there's a, a story where one of the gentlemen shares that he could not, he couldn't continue and couldn't carry his stuff, and none of the guys would help him. Hmm. She helped him, carried mm-hmm. her stuff, his stuff, and they mm-hmm. both made it through. 
That's and right. So he and he tells the story. He wasn't ashamed of it. He was proud to be able to say, "Hey, she helped me." And so yeah. you're, you're right. We are we're we're still breaking barriers. But one of the things oh, yeah. that um is I I believe that needs to be studied and they're beginning to look at is the transition process from the military back into the civilian sector that the programs are not necessarily geared to support and help women. Mm. You know, and and that's a a, a hot topic with me because (laughs) when I got out of the military in 1992, um, one of the main things that I experienced was jealousy of me having served. And therefore, since there was a jealous nature involved, people really didn't want to help me to transition from being uh, military to civilian. And Mm -hmm. that process was, it was very, very challenging, very difficult, you know. Um, Because of my military bearing, I remember going, because we had to to get unemployment from getting out of the military and what have you, because I wasn't receiving a retirement check or anything. But I remember being turned down for jobs because I was overqualified because of my training, my military training. You know, and it was it was really interesting. And then um, the transitional programs that were set up by the Army, they didn't cover us going into jobs that regular people went into. It didn't cover going into perhaps businesses of our own. Mm. And so that, you know, that put a stop on a lot of the activity that I would have like to have participated in because there just weren't any programs out there to take this strong military woman that's been serving for 15 years that has this military bearing, you know, and transition that into a civilian atmosphere. You know, you talk about the military bearing and the strong woman. Now, being a drill sergeant, you Mm -hmm. had to have that persona. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and during a time that time, being a woman, you know, mm-hmm. a black female in the mm-hmm. role of a drill sergeant, mm-hmm. how was that for you? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> let's say let's just say that was a, a, a long road to hoe because. We had to continually prove ourselves to be of the caliber of soldier that it took to be a drill sergeant. We had to train harder. We had to train longer. We had to come up to the standards of our male counterparts while uh, while in the drill sergeant academy because we were going to train both male and females. We weren't training just females. We were training males and females, and we had to we had to be three times better than our male counterparts because we had to run just as hard as they ran. We had to um, in the for the pugil training, the hand to hand combat. We had to know the moves better than they did because they could throw us, but we mm-hmm. had to be able to throw them. We had to be able to train these soldiers up when when those soldiers stepped off the cattle cars. 
at the, the basic training units where we served at, they had to see us in a position of strength just like they saw the male drill sergeant. And, it, Carolyn, it was, it was hard. It really was. Whereas the male drill sergeant might come in at 5 in the morning, we had to be there at 3 in the morning getting those soldiers up and letting them know exactly who we were. And it wasn't a matter of us being a man. You know, we weren't men. We were women. And we, we trained them as female drill sergeants, as women drill sergeants, just so they could know that men and women could serve in the same ba- on the same battlefield in the Army. And it was, oh, my gosh, you, you're bringing back some memories now that I, had, I hadn't even thought about. Um, say for the past 10 or 15 years, but we did. We had to train harder than the males, and it wasn't a a matter of competition. It's because we had to show them that we could do this thing. We had to show them that we could march just as far as they could and just as hard as they could with all the equipment on our backs. I understand what the, the gentleman you're talking about with the Special Forces training. I understand what he was saying. He was grateful to that woman um, that was, you know, right beside him training. I understand where he's coming from because we had to do the same thing, and we had to teach the soldiers that women could do it just as well as the men could, and they understood that. So that when they stood on the graduation field, they could look back at their female drill sergeants and say, thank you, drill sergeant so-and-so. It didn't matter that you was a fe- you were a female. It mattered that you could train me so that I could get here today. You know, and you mentioned the point that we were still women, and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the cultural things that people would look in a woman in uniform and think that she has to portray this, you know, masculine side that she has to give up huh. so much of being a woman just to serve. Oh my gosh! You know, um, and and I just found this out probably about fifteen years ago, and and I'm not saying this to, um, I'm just saying this in in way of explanation of what my community thought of when I went into the Army. My family, and this is, I didn't know this, like I said, it's about 15, maybe 20 years ago, and my aunt said to me, she said, um, Mama said that when you went into the Army, talking about me, that you were a lesbian, and I, I'm just saying that to show where my family's, uh, what their thoughts were with me going into the military. I remember my uncle saying to me, women can't serve in the Army. And he's one of the main reasons why I went into the Army as well. Because when he said I couldn't do it, I looked at every reason why I could. <laughs> but my family thought that I was um, going in to, to be a man in the army, and I, I like I said, I want to say it so that no one gets offended by the way I'm saying it. But that's what my family thought thought that because I was going into the military, I was becoming, and this, this is their words that they use, I was becoming butch, I was becoming a lesbian, and that that's the only way I can explain it. And like I said, Carol, I'm, I don't want to offend anyone, but that's what my family thought. And then years later, I found out from my younger sister that our biological mother, because I didn't grow up with my siblings, our biological mother um, forbade, forbade her going into the military because of that one thought. Hmm. 
Yes. And so, you see, we had it all the way around what people thought about women going into the, joining the military services. Yeah. Because they had this one picture of us becoming men, and that was so not the truth. That was not what we were going in to do. We were going in to serve our country. And I, I think some of that, the stereotypes uh, still exist. If you take one extreme or the other, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have heard where women have been told that the only reason you came into the military is because you thought it was sexy. This is like mm-hmm. the sexy thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. I actually had a very senior, I was brand new, brand new to the military, and a senior male officer said that to a group of us women that were training. And to this day, I, I've never forgotten what he said to us. And mm-hmm. the two of us did bring it up to um, higher authority because we were the senior people in the room. Mm. But to have that said to a group of young, impressionable um, naval officers, that, uh, all women, it was mm-hmm. kind of, this is the first thing they're hearing is the only reason right. you've come in the military is because you think it's sexy. So it goes mm. from one extreme to the other. And right. I happen to belong to a couple uh, military groups on Facebook that are just for women and mm-hmm. to hear some of the things that they're still experiencing and yeah. the lack of knowledge of men under, just taking the moment to understand. You mm-hmm. know, at the same, we're all soldiers, sailors, airmen, uh, Marines, mm-hmm. uh, even Coast Guard, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I am still a woman and you're still a man. So there are yeah. physical differences. Things that aren't being taken into consideration even during the transition from the military. Mm-hmm. And you uh, got out the military, got out the Army in 1992. Yes. How was your transition? It, it, like I was saying, it was rough because people, uh, I found that many people resented that I had served in the military. And I, 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 I'm still trying to figure that out because <laughs> had we not served, this country would not be experiencing the freedom that it continues to experience. But there were people that resented me for having served. I had this one lady to tell me, oh, you just think you're something else because you were in the Army and you're no longer in the Army, so you're just like us. And, I, I you know, it, it caused me to cry because she just did not understand why I had served in the military. It was to to <laughs> to help people like her, her remain free. You see, and so, but that transition coming out of the army and having served proudly for all those years, it was a culture shock when I came into the civilian world and realized that not everyone appreciated what I had done. And I, I didn't do it to receive any formal appreciation or any attaboys or anything like that. But they really didn't appreciate it. And I, I, I still I don't know whether it was jealousy that they didn't serve or just, you know, uh, just good old-fashioned anger because of what I had done. And I could, I could talk about it. I, I could, you know, go and say, hey, yeah, I served. I, I'm a veteran. You know, um, but it was it was rough. It was rough for about ten years, I'd say, um, because I tried to live by other people's rules of what it meant to be a civilian, 
Mm-hmm. And um, we were around a, a military base because my husband was still in. He was um, serving at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And to be perfectly honest with you, Carolyn, the only peace I experienced during this time was when I went on base. And whether it was just to go to mm-hmm. the commissary or go to, you know, take the kids to the hospital and stuff or, or whatever, um, but I experienced peace on the military base because those were my people. Those were the people that I had lived around for 15 years, and they understood me. They knew who I was. I knew who they were. And so being close to that military base, that did give a, a, a certain amount of um, ease and transition. But, oh, boy, out there in the civilian world, oh, Lord. <laughs> All I could say was my people, my people. <laughs> I do want to remind our listeners out there, if they'd like to call in and ask a question of our drill sergeant, you can call us at 949-272-9483. Again, that's 949-272-9483. And so when you, you know, it's... We're still having a lot of the same concerns with transition, and you're, you're fortunate mm-hmm. that you were by a military base. Yes. And I think one of the biggest things is that sisterhood, that support system that mm-hmm. we have in the military. When we get out, we lose that. Yes, yes, because the world doesn't see life the way we see it. We, Carolyn, let's face it. We've been able to travel to places that many of our friends that we grew up with will never see in their lives. The only way they'll see it is on TV. Okay? I've gone to play. I've, I was stationed in Germany twice. I've, I've been, you know, a, a lot of different places in Army bases on the East Coast and what have you. And um, and it was just wonderful just meeting all these different people from all these different backgrounds. But the civilians in our lives, they will never understand um why we feel about different cultures the way we feel about them is because we got to live in those cultures. After after seeing real French people or real Italian <laughs> people, and I say that, and I'm, I'm saying that in their settings, okay? Yeah. And, you know, being able to walk the streets of Paris, friends, and to see yes. the real Paris people, real um, Parisian, you know, <laughs> and to live in Germany and to see that culture, you know, it is completely different from anything you can experience here in the United States. But to bring that back here, it was just, it was awesome to see the differences in the cultures and just the way we live, you know. And so I couldn't identify with my American counterparts because I had seen all this in Europe, in all these other different cultures, and it was just phenomenal to me. Mm. Now, you when you transitioned and mm-hmm. you became an author, a consultant, a speaker, a coach, mm-hmm. what what made you start doing the work you're doing? Well, you know, when I got out in 1992, I was already a motivational speaker. I just didn't mm-hmm. believe it. I, I was. I, I mean, you have to be in a drill sergeant. How could you mm-hmm. not be 
a motivational motivate. speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was already um, living in that space, but I just didn't see it in myself. And so I had to um, go on a, a personal journey to find out who I was and what I was created to be. And and that happened in 2009. My dad called me to come to New York to take care of him. He was having some eye surgery, and um, he needed my help. And so I went to stay with him. I thought I was going to be there for about three, maybe six months, and I was there for 13 and a half months. And um, as you know, I'm I'm a Christian and a, a preacher and all that stuff. But during that time, I, I, I felt led that God had – kept me there for that long so that he could get some stuff out of me. Um, Because Mm. during the time of my transition of coming out of the military and living in this civilian world, um, I just, I, I became a people pleaser. You're just trying to do things Uh. so that I could have people in my court. You understand where I'm coming from, don't you? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I became that people pleaser and, and started living um, so that, I could get along with other people. And in doing that, I lost who I was. I lost that that drill sergeant aspect of my life. I lost that motivational speaker. And I was still encouraging people. But mm-hmm. um, during this time that I was in New York with my dad, God showed me that I had completely left off from where he wanted me to be. And I was taking on what everybody else wanted me to be. And so during that time, he really dealt with me and and showed me that I was the drill sergeant of life. Now, people may say, what in the world is a drill sergeant of life? Well, I, I took what I learned during my training in the Drill Sergeant Academy at Fort Dix, New Jersey, and learning how to take people from Fort Living Room, and that's what we call it when people come from home. They're <laughs> they're leaving Fort Living Room behind. <laughs> and, and, and we had to take those kids from Fort Living Room and turn them into sometimes lean, mean fighting machines in the United States Army. And during that time, I learned that my greatest gift was not just the discipline that I taught those kids, but just giving them the encouragement and showing them that could be who they wanted to be in life. And so that's why it transitioned to the drill sergeant of life, because there's a lot of beat up people out here in the world. There really are. And I mean, you see it every day. And People really don't know how to come out of that thought pattern so that they could be who they were created to be in life. And there's no better feeling I found, Carolyn, than to take a fresh new recruit coming from Fort Living Room. And and when I say, you know, there's one soldier, and I, I don't remember his name. I probably got his picture in one of my um, cycle books that we had. But we called him the Pillsbury Doughboy because he was just as roly-poly and just as, you know, he was a good old country boy, and you could tell he had just grown up on collard greens and cornbread and fried chicken all his life. And we had to take that young man and turn him into a lean, mean fighting machine. And after eight weeks, when we finished with that young man and went to graduation, his parents, I'll never forget that, his parents came to me and said, Drill Sergeant, thank you 
for changing our son, turning our son into a man. Thank you for what we see in him now. And, I mean, that boy, he looked strack in his uniform, and you could tell he was ready. If they called a battle right there, he was ready to go, you know. But that's what I'm doing now on the battlefield of life, changing them from that Pillsbury Doughboy or the Private Benjamin, if you will, (laughs) (laughs) into, and see, we took a lot of those Private Benjamins and turned them into G.I. James. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was very important because we had women, young women from all walks of life. Oh, my gosh, Carolyn, we had this one young woman. She had been so battered in life. Um, She came from an abusive marriage. Her husband raped her continually, and we didn't know that. But when she graduated from basic training, you could tell she could stand on her own. Mm. Okay, because we took her and we transitioned her from that beaten down little girl to a woman who could stand on her own. And we weren't sending her out there to go and fight, you know, her ex-husband at the time. But we yes. were sending her to be, um, to be what, empowered to be who she was called and created to be. And, and you have a wonderful you have that wonderful piece on your website and I just want to and it's a piece that you wrote about your dream. And I just uh-huh. this particular piece that you wrote, I want to quote because it's so in alignment with where we are in this in the conversation right now and you part of mm-hmm. it is I have a dream that instead of my sisters crying themselves to sleep at night from the pressure oh, wow. of perceived failures and mistakes, they will instead laugh themselves to sleep because they made it through one more day. Mm. And Mm. I just think that is a very, you know, powerful statement of the teaching and the work that you're doing to give them that strength to make it through the day. Absolutely. And, you know, oftentimes, Carolyn, we don't realize that the strength that we need to make it through that one more day is already inside of us. And we have to, to, to... call that power up. We have to, you know, sometimes we got to pat ourselves on the back. We can't wait for somebody else to come along and say, oh, good job. We have to do it ourselves. We have to look in the mirror of our lives and see, wait a minute, I'm not that bad after all. I can do this. I am equipped to do this. We've got to see it when no one else sees it because, let's face it, Carolyn, everybody's not happy about what Carolyn Owens is doing. Okay, let's just go ahead and face that. Everybody's mm-hmm. not happy with what Beatrice Bruno is doing. Okay, you've got a lot of naysayers out there. You've got a lot of negative Nellies out there that's saying, huh, what makes Carolyn so special that she thinks she can do this stuff, you know? And and I've had people come into my face, well, who do you think you are? And at that moment, I know that I have to pat myself on the back. I have to look inwardly and see that power that God has already given to me to get to that next step just so I can, not only I can take that step, but I can turn around and say, come on, Carolyn, girl, you already got it in you. Come on, let's go. We're going to meet this objective, okay? We don't care what anybody else is saying. See, and that, that's where the preaching part will come in right there because <laughs> <laughs> I'm passionate about this because I've always been for the underdog. And, and you know, doggone it, there's too many doggone underdogs. There mm. really are. 
So it's up to us to be able to, 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 to turn around and reach that hand out and say, come on, girl, you can do it, and I'm going to help you. It's no more time for it's all about me. It, it's, not, it's so not about us. It's about how can we help somebody else to reach their objective and get to the place where you know they were created to be. How can we do that? You know, and, and one of the avenues and ways you do that is through a program you created called Let Go of the Past, the boot camp series. Yes, yes. Can you share and that with our listeners, what that's about? Absolutely. Um, and I use the word, the um, letters past as an acronym for people, mm-hmm. places, possibilities, and situations that should be terminated. Okay, because in our lives, we have some things that we've gone through that we've held on to that we really need to let go because if not, those things will will destroy us. In my book, How to Get Over Yourself and Let Go of the Past, I, I talk about this one character that I met. She's, a, she's actually a real character, and um, I met her years ago when I was in, in Kentucky, and she was at a mental institution, and at the time we were both 32 years old, but the difference was from the age of 12, she had been in and out of the mental institution. Mm-hmm. And when I met her, um, I was I was pastor of a small congregation, and I would go in there and I'd start ministering to this young woman. And finally, I think I had been ministering her probably maybe three, maybe four or five months, and she said, you know what, I want something different in my life. And I said, well, what do you want? She said, I want to get out of here. She wanted to get out of the middle institution. Mm-hmm. And my church and I, we, we started praying for this young woman. And in about, I don't know, maybe about five or six weeks, she was released from the mental institution, and they put her in this um, care program so that they could keep tabs on her, make sure she was doing all right. And, Carolyn, she was doing great. She was doing absolutely phenomenal. She would call me and she said, will you come and take me grocery shopping? And I'd take her grocery shopping, and she'd start buying stuff and setting up for her own little place and what have you. And then all of a sudden, in three months, Carolyn, she said to me, I want to go back to the mental institution. And I looked at her because I'm like, what is wrong with this picture? And I said, why do you want to go back? And she said, I miss the structure. I mm. miss the discipline. And I said, oh, my God. And I, I didn't know what to do. And, I mean, I, I prayed, of course, but you know what? God is not going to go against your will for your life. He really won't. And so because she wanted to go back in, she finagled the way so that she could get back into the mental institution. And, unfortunately, she will never come back out because when she went back in, Carolyn, she killed a nurse. Oh. Yeah. She killed a nurse. And when I say, you know, when I use the acronym, people, places, possibilities, and situations that should be terminated, one of the main things that should have been terminated in her life was the desire for the mental institution because it because it was not, destroyed in her life, it sucked her back in to a place that she Mm. will never be able to come out again. And oftentimes in our lives, we allow our past to suck us back in in a way that it destroys us and we can't even move past those things. 
You see that a lot. Um, you know, I was a criminal justice major and studied mm-hmm. criminology um, mm-hmm. for the juvenile and adult systems. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we often talked about was when an inmate is released and they go back to the same neighborhood, back yeah. to the same friends, and yeah. they think, oh, I just got strong enough, I ain't never going back. Mm-hmm. But it gets sucked right back into that environment, into the same yeah. things and the same pressures that they experienced before. And they end up back, but it after a while becomes comfortable to them. Yes. That yes. Uh, you know this is so. I mean, I'm right back home with everybody, and I'm going right back to prison. So like you said being able to let go and terminate some of the things, and you know, like letting go of what no longer serves us, is right. often one of the most difficult things that people have to do. And a lot of people can't do it by themselves. No. no they so how not. do you help people let go of the past? Well, I, I want to take you back to basic training, and I want to take you back to those soldiers that come off that cattle car. Okay. Now, they're thinking in their minds that, okay, these people are crazy. They're going to try to turn me into a soldier, and I'm th- they're thinking about being back home. And so what we do is I, I, I immerse people in a two- to three-day segment of time in which is just me and them, and I'm the drill sergeant, and I'm mm-hmm. filling their heads with the future and driving out the past, okay? They have to want it, just like those basic training soldiers wanted it. Yes. Okay? So that by the end of the eight-week program that, that that I've created to help people let go of the past, they will see that what's in front of them is far greater than what's behind them. And we do it in such a way so that they will know that, number one, they can be comfortable with with me as their drill sergeant. Number two, the things that they've experienced in the past are those things that that will lead them to their destruction. And number three, giving themselves permission to move forward with what's in front of them. Okay, because, see, oftentimes, and you know this, Carolyn, a lot of people won't give themselves permission to move forward. No. See, Mm -mm. they think that they must stay in that same stew, okay, and that's that's what they're called and created for, and that's that's where they must remain, and they couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make sure that we give our listeners an opportunity to know how can they get your book. It was How to Get Over Yourself and Let Go of the Past or How to Get Yourself, How to Get Over Yourself, Get Out of Your Own Way and Get What You Want in Life, as well as find out about your boot camp series. Absolutely. They can go to my uh, website at drillsergeantoflife.com. They could email me, Beatrice, at drillsergeantoflife.com, and, um, you know, we can go from there. I do have a um, one-hour program where, you know, we can consult for one hour to see where they are, where they want to be, and, you know, get some um, very brief tips on how they can start moving forward. But, yes, they can find out um, any information they need is on drillsergeantoflife.com. Now, you also host a daily prayer call, Monday through Friday. I do. I do. And the, the the name of the prayer call is Prophetic On Watch Women of Worship. 
and it's Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain and whatever that transitions to East and West Coast. Um, but it's a, a time of teaching. That's like this morning um, we were teaching on the subject of prayer and how there's a residue of prayer that surrounds each and every one of us. Your mama used to pray for you. You know something? There's a residue of those prayers on you right now and on your life. Everything that you're experiencing right now, it's because of the residue that was left by the prayers of those that prayed before for you, you know. And it's just a very interesting teaching um, that we're doing, but we do a lot of praying, a lot of um, just getting into the glory of God and, and, and praying so that God will um, change our hearts as we move forward in doing what he has called us all to do is prophetic on watch women of worship. And um, if they want information on that, contact me at Beatrice at DrillSergeantOfLife.com. And you have a conference coming up as well, don't you? I do. Um, January 28th, 29th, and 30th, we're going to have our first Prophetic On Watch Women of Worship conference here in Denver, and we're really looking forward to that. We've got some speakers coming out of um, Dallas, Texas, and um, some speakers that's right here in the Denver metro area. We're going to be talking about parasites in the body of Christ. We're going to be talking about um, the uh, the blood of Jesus versus the synthetic blood that many people are trying to put on their situation. We're going to talk about um, the temple. You know, who does God have in your temple? And we're talking about the temple of God that we see in the Bible, how there's the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies, and who's behind the veil. Well, you know something, everybody didn't go into every section of that temple, Carolyn especially behind the veil. There's only certain people that were able to go mm-hmm. behind the veil. And we're talking about the temple of your life. Who are you allowing to the outer court, mm-hmm. the inner court, the holy of holies? Because everybody doesn't need to be in every section of your temple. <laughs> <laughs> that's something to think about. and That's a whole another conversation right there. But see, you have to, you know, it's just like that old song by Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. <laughs> Let's you know, be honest here. I also want to add that you are an ordained minister. You have been yes, married for over 24 years. So yes, you, you've, like you said, we've already said you've served in the Army. So your experience has truly led you to a place that you can teach and you can share and you can help people let go of the past and learn how to break free and, and terminate the situations they no longer need in their life. Absolutely. Absolutely, and it's been a journey. It really has because, believe you me, everything that I teach to other people and every um, way that I counsel to them is the way that I've been taught and that I've been counseled in my life. And it's just so refreshing and life-changing to see other people get it, okay? And see, I had to go through it so that they won't have to take as much time as I did to get through it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's it's time We always say that time goes by on When you're on Let's Coach with Mark and Carolyn And we're down to our final minutes I mean, we literally have three minutes left 
Oh, wow. I want to end with another piece um, from the part that you wrote on your website that is uh, I Have a Dream, that mm-hmm. being it's Veterans Day, this is the one piece that really to me, um, for our veterans out there, that part of your dream is that, in quoting, that my brother and sister veterans will take their rightful stance in today's business world and utilize the skills of operation and leadership they learned while serving this great country. Wow. You know what? Um, We have gained so many skills as veterans uh, while we were serving, and those skills are pertinent in today's business atmosphere. Uh, it would be a shame for us not to use those things that we have learned while serving on active duty in this season today because this country needs what the skills that we've gained from our military service. And I, you know, thank you so much for being with us today. And we, I, like again, for our audience and our listeners, this is Beatrice Bruno, the Dual Sergeant of Life. And if you can give your um, website information again. It's drillsergeantoflife.com or email me at Beatrice at drillsergeantoflife.com. And thank you so much, Carolyn, for having me on. Uh, It has been an honor and a privilege. And, again, thank you so much for your years of service and for continuing to give back and make such an empowering statement and transformation in people's lives. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carolyn. And so for our audience, thank you again for tuning in and listening to Let's Coast with Mark and Carolyn. Mark will be back with us next week, but I also want to say if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at Owens at infinitycoaching.net, or you can find me all over social media on Twitter at Carol R. Owens, or text me or give me a call at 901-218-7664. Or again, if you want to reach Mark, you can call, uh, text him or call him at 301-717-1185. And again, you can follow, find him all over on uh, social media. He's on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at Mark Coaches. So have a wonderful, blessed week. And everybody, if it ain't broke, make it better. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. Bye. Wow.